Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Investment News Podcast. I'm Jeff Benjamin, co-hosting as always with my colleague Bruce Kelly. We are talking today with Tom Moore, who oversees the sales and relationship management teams for Betterment or Advisors. There's always a lot going on at Betterment. We've never had them on the podcast. Uh, really excited about this. We're gonna we're gonna talk about you know the business, the strategy, the outlook, uh, what it means for advisors, and all kinds of fun stuff. Tom, how you doing? Thanks for being here, sir. Yeah, hey, thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, and I'll just give you a quick shout out. I I uh, was listening to the pod a little bit uh, in preparing for this chat, and I just gotta say, love uh, love the candor, love the kind of the, the casual nature that you uh, uh, you guys have here, and and just excited to be a part of it. Well, thanks very much. That's nice, Jeff, of him of Tom to say that, right? <laughs> Holy smokes! Yes, we'll 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 send a little something in your uh, in your basket on the as you as you depart the on the investment news here. gift basket. Hey, um, gifts yeah. are appreciated. <laughs> the uh, I also want to mention that our sponsor for this L- episode is LPL Financial. Thank you to them, and uh, we want to kind of get right into it here. Tom, tell us a little bit about your role at at Betterment to start us off here. Sure. Yeah. Um, so. I am the director of Betterment for Advisors, uh, and that's one of three business lines, three core business lines at Betterment, which we can we can get into a little bit more uh, later in the call. Uh, but I've been with the business for about five years. Uh, my background prior to that, I kind of grew up in in financial services, worked for a couple of big names, but I think more importantly, always worked with financial advisors and and really took a deep interest in in the market in uh, you know what financial advisors uh, concerns are um, you know what what offerings are out there and how they were helping advisors uh, and so that's uh, why I kind of was excited to be a part of the advisor arm of, of betterment as we bring what I think are, are pretty innovative technology solutions to that space okay now could you give us a little bit of a kind of a brief overview or a summary of, of Betterment these days. I mean, I, we've been following it here at Investment News as a as a robo when it first came out. I don't even know if you guys are offended by that <laughs> title or phrase or, or whatever. But, um, you know, what's it what's it look like uh, from where you are? I know you've been there five years, but uh, maybe help us out here, Tom, all right? Yeah, it's funny that you say that. I get that comment a lot that uh, people don't know if we're offended by the term robo. And I would say, first and foremost, no, we're not offended by that. Um, but I do think we've we've evolved quite a bit. And, and I think it's helpful to go just quickly kind of over the history. You know, we were, we were founded in 2010. And at that time, I would say that's exactly what we were. We were a robo advisor. Uh, and we were uh, very much kind of a, a category creator, and and the idea there was that you know we needed to to find an efficient way to deliver low cost, responsibly managed investment solutions to everybody. And I think you know uh, as as the industry has evolved and as we've evolved, we've really gone from a robo advisor into what we call a, a, a digital uh, investment platform, and. You know, the, the direct-to-consumer business is still a, a huge part of what we do, but but one of the really important developments is that we've added on these two other business lines, the first of those being the advisor business, where we work primarily with registered investment advisors, and then the second being uh, what we call Betterment at Work, which is our, our 401k offering. And so this has really kind of diversified the business in a really interesting way. 
And I think, you know, kind of the, the, the key to that is that the core differentiator that we've always brought to the market. So that is really kind of the science of this really automated portfolio management solution and the art of this intuitive digital first client experience is sort of the core differentiator across all three of those businesses, the direct to consumer business, the RA business, and the 401k platform. Uh, and so that's a little bit of kind of the evolution. And I think, you know, we're at a really exciting time right now where we have a kind of differentiation in all three markets. Um, and, you know, I'm happy to kind of jump into that um, however you guys want to. Let me go to kind of a little bit of big picture on what you are seeing on the platform in, ter in terms of investor activity and, and any trends that you might be identifying. Yeah, I mean, you know, our, our core ethos is stay the course, right? That's always kind of uh, uh, where we've sat in the conversation. So the belief in, you know, diversified, low cost, goals-based portfolio management. Uh, and so I would argue, and maybe I'm a little biased, but I would argue that our investors uh, are are maybe a little bit better behaved than, you know, your, your other brokerage platforms out there. And so we don't see as much like knee-jerk reaction into market volatility. But if I was to expand on your question a little bit, I would say the high-level trend we've seen is an increased appetite for more optionality um, or what we call internally investing choice. And I think we've kind of answered that call by, you know, methodically expanding the different portfolio options that we offer clients, but also the the uh, the breadth of of products, interesting products and feature features that we offer clients. Um, and and I think a good example of that is is our our cash management offering or our high yield cash offering. Uh, in this kind of period of of rising rates, we've seen you know uh, a shift in consumer flows, not away from the retirement or from the long-term product, but certainly towards uh, this cash product that offers a really attractive yield. What is the yield? Oh man, I uh, don't quote me on this, but I, I think last I saw it sat right around 3.75, 375 basis points. Okay. You're on a recorded podcast, so you will be quoted on that. Um, <laughs> but I think he's saying no customer should call up Betterment and say, I want my 375. Yeah. That's, that's a disclaimer, <laughs> that's right. I think. Thomas told me you, that the yield was 375. Yeah. Yeah, but it's yeah. in that neighborhood. Okay. That totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I mean, it's right up there with, with, you know, the other high yield solutions out there. We try to stay, we try to stay competitive. Yeah. All right. Hey, I want to go back to something you said about your in your uh, betterment investors or I guess consumers are a little better behaved than what you're seeing at the brokerage platform or what you might see at the brokerage platforms. That is interesting to me. I mean, how do you quantify that and how, what to what do you attribute that? What, I'll ask your second, I'll answer your second question first. I would attribute it to the fact that we're not just offering clients a platform they can go to invest in whatever they want, right? We're offering them a solution that's, again, long-term focused and uh, offers diversified model portfolios. And on top of that, offers guidance, guardrails, we like to, we like to say. Uh, and I think that's where I would attribute better behavior, where you know, we're incentivizing clients to stay invested. We're, we're making sure clients understand the repercussions of pulling money out at the wrong time. Um, and, and I think it's really those guardrails that, that differentiate. All right. That's, I mean, that's, 
that's interesting um, that you, because to me, I would think you would have more retail entry level type investors than you might see at a, a brokerage firm because that's how Betterment was kind of introduced with the, you know, super low minimums and stuff like that. But and, and along those lines, I, I want to get to the issue of this fee structure change that you guys introduced. I think it was last year, uh, a four dollar monthly charge for accounts under twenty thousand dollars. I mean, that to me, I saw a few people calculate that in ways that I thought was a little bit unfair. What what is behind that fee change? Yeah, and and I'm happy to talk about it. And I, I think I saw a similar post to what you were referencing, so I'm happy to to dig into that. But let me just start with kind of the the decision, the initial decision, and what we've seen. Um, you know, I think we can we can we've all had a similar experience over the last few months. I mean, at least I know that I feel like I receive an email from a a new a different vendor that I subscribe to every single day that's announcing some sort of price change or price increase. And I think that's just, you know, symptomatic of uh, the market environment that we're in right now. I think, you know, rising rates, volatile, challenging markets are causing businesses to reevaluate like their unit economics to make sure that they're setting themselves up for success long term. And, you know, I'd be lying if that's if that's not exactly what we're doing. I think it's the right thing to be doing. If I if I look at ours compared to other other changes I've seen, I'm proud of how we've gone about it in that, you know, we've really um, tried to make it so that we're not sacrificing our ethos and and we're still prioritizing the customers that we think are a good fit for the platform while also making sure that we can we can provide the value we've always provided at a reasonable cost and what i mean by that is if you kind of dig one layer deeper from the initial announcement you'll see a few things one is for clients with under a 20k balance that have a recurring deposit of at least 250 dollars a month Th- those clients are not subject to this uh, low balance fee. Okay. The other interesting differentiation is that it's not we're not subjecting a client to our original platform fee and the four dollar minimum fee. It's either or, right? And so the real price increase for clients below twenty k is really just the delta between what they were being charged and this new fee. I think that's a, a not subtle distinction that a lot of reporting that I saw anyway sort of missed. And I never heard that uh, $250 uh, monthly contribution, you you could bypass the fee, the $4 monthly fee. That's that's news to me. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think, I think you know, it's, it's fairly obvious, but that's, we're trying to incentivize the type of behavior that we see from our good clients. Like we want to work with savers uh, and people that are serious about saving. Uh, and so if you can show us that that's why you're working with us, then, you know, we value you as a, a customer long term. What do you say to people that would uh, would say Betterment is just trying to get rid of their small accounts? <laughs> I think I would make the same argument I just made. Right. I, I think I would reframe it like we're running. Yeah, we're running a business. Like I said, we need to make sure that we're offering we can stay. We can offer the same value we've always been able to offer to our core client. Um, but but we're creating again guardrails to make sure that if you're serious about working with us we're going to make the solution affordable for you and then the last thing i'll say uh because i i think i i like i said i i saw the same post that you were referencing prior 
And I think this whole conversation leaves out also the fact that we're providing a service that goes beyond like the underlying cost of the investments, right? We, we provide financial planning and guidance for clients. So even for clients that have $1,000, there should be value for a price in the additional services, right? And so I think that's kind of lost when you just look at it as a potential percentage of assets under management. Like I said, I, I didn't. I thought it was a little disingenuous when I saw some of the reports taking the lowest possible in amount you could have in an account and then dividing that by four dollars and say, "Oh, this is such a ridiculous." It's not. It's a. It's a four dollar fee until you get to twenty thousand dollars, and that's basically the break even point where you start to pay less. But I mean, you pay less all the way up the ladder. I. You know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not, it is a fee increase for everybody under $20,000, but it's not as extreme as I think it was reported in some cases. And I didn't know about the nuances there, but Jeff, I think there's, there's also like a bias and, uh, you know, against new firms or new players in the market, I think. And sometimes, you know, the media and we reporters kind of reflect that. <laughs> You know, I don't want to, you know, um, I don't cover betterment. It's not part of my day in and day out beat like an LPL financial or something. But, you know, I think there is a bias against new, you know, alternatives in the marketplace. And that's maybe you're, you're, you, you saw that there, I think, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, I think, it, well, this, like, this is a really interesting conversation. I think pricing conversations always are. Um, but, you know, another comment I would make that's 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 another interesting layer to this is I've always really loved how much Betterment values transparency, right? Transparent pricing and owning and owning these things with clients um, so that they know what they're paying. And I don't think that's always the case with a lot of financial services firms, right? So it's funny how you, it's funny how you can almost feel penalized from a business perspective for being transparent. That's, a, that's an irony I've observed in other, uh, in other uh, times in my career. Um, but, I, but I'm proud that Betterment's transparent. We always have been. Um, and we'll tell clients, you know, exactly what's go, what, what, what our intentions are and, you know, what the effect to them is. Our colleague, Ryan Neal, he reports on you guys a good amount. He's a good reporter, covers this space pretty closely. Um, and he's, he's, done a little bit of reporting on uh, Betterment's crypto offering. What what can you tell us about that? So I, and we haven't got too far into, well, I guess I did talk a little bit about kind of demand for optionality, right? Or what I call it is like advice for all markets. Uh, and I think, you know, what we saw middle of last year was a huge demand for this new, what we consider to be a new, you know, potential asset class. Uh, and so what we set out to do is offer optionality, access to this asset class, but again, to do it without kind of sacrificing our ethos. Uh, and so I think what what we brought to market uh, sort of threads that needle, right? We're not pushing people into this product, but we're providing it for those who who are interested. Uh, and we're providing it in a diverse, diversified, managed way, um, which is consistent with our with our ethos. So I think it's kind of as simple as that. What's the appetite looking like right now? <laughs> well, I don't think uh, I don't think it would be horribly surprising to see that to say that we've seen demand drop off for crypto, right? 
Um, but I kind of, I look back actually at our cash product and can draw a really interesting comparison, right? We released our cash reserve product in the beginning of 2020, right before we saw where we, where we were seeing a little bit of an interest rate increase. And then after launch, we saw interest rates plummet as a result of, of the pandemic, right? So there's a product we brought to market uh, that was a smart product to bring to market, but kind of lost favor after launch. And now flash forward, you know, two and a half years. And that product is one of the biggest drivers of growth for Betterment. Right. And so, you know, I think, uh, I believe in kind of the, 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 uh, demand, uh, for the crypto asset class long-term. And I think it's, it just shows that, that Betterment has kind of a durable long-term business model. When we think about how products will go in and out of favor over time. Market volatility can have a dramatic impact on clients, but this also represents an opportunity. As a wealth management partner, LPL Financial helps advisors and institutions implement more robust financial planning strategies with clients. Dr. Jeffrey Roach, Chief Economist at LPL Research, shares his insights on the markets and how financial professionals can deepen their relationships with clients and help them feel more prepared. I think one of the things uh, it's helpful to think about is, you know, this is this is a long term scenario. It's about having a plan, executing the plan, sticking with the plan, not, you know, trying to change plans midstream, you know, looking about long term, long term opportunities, long term goals. To hear the rest of the conversation and learn more about planning for the year ahead, visit the LPL Financial Newsroom at LPL.com slash newsroom. Let's let's talk about betterment for advisors. That's really our audience right here. Yep. Um, and that's your baby, right? That's your That's story. right. Okay. Give us the That's the one I lose sleep about at night. <laughs> okay. Not not the crypto <laughs> offering. <laughs> <laughs> um all right. Give give us the kind of the the overview and then we'll dig down a little bit cuz this is this is what our audience is is interested in if they're interested in betterment. Yeah, and I think I think it is you know, despite my best efforts, I think it is still the lesser known uh, part of the Greater Betterment organization. But I mean, the spark notes on it are, uh, you know, Betterment for Advisors offers a completely vertically integrated custodial and portfolio management platform for RIAs. And so the pitch there uh, is, you know, we can help advisors streamline their activities, their portfolio management and administrative activities. And we can deliver kind of this this digital first, intuitive client experience, so that they can serve clients better and they can serve clients more efficiently. Um, so that's my kind of salesy pitch. Sorry to get uh, to get salesy on you there, um, but I think you know digging more into uh, priorities for that business and where we're seeing demand. I think our focus is uh, on on what I call small RIAs. So let's talk about or let's, let's define that as folks that manage less than $500 million in assets. And the reason that we focus there is because, well, similar to our retail business and our 401k business, we feel that those are the underserved advisors in the marketplace right now. Um, underserved from a technology perspective. And then I think as we see consolidation in the custodial landscape, potential for them to be an underserved piece of of uh of that market as well okay what what is an advisor getting at betterment if better through betterment for advisors 
are they getting access to a white label robo platform? Are they getting uh, practice management advice and direction or what, what, what kind of things are, if I'm an advisor with $499 million under management? So really they're getting a full technology stack for their RIA. Uh, so we, we act as a custodian, right? Um, we have automated portfolio management tools that sit on top of that. Uh, and uh, we also have fully integrated billing and reporting functionality. So most of our RIAs are, you know, planning first fee only RIAs, and they'll marry the Betterment uh, for advisors platform with a, a financial planning tool. And, you know, uh, that, that really can be enough to stand up uh, uh, you know, a hundred million dollar practice. And and how are you charging for these services? Yep, just a just a platform fee uh, on assets. Okay, and that includes the custody. That's right. So it's a it's technically a wrap platform fee, and then the advisor can tack on their uh, advisory fee, and we will handle the billing for them. So we'll bill uh, direct from the clients in arrears, uh, and then credit back their portion. So we, we can kind of uh, take care of, of uh, the end-to-end -end process from client onboarding all the way uh, through to, to uh, billing. Can you give us any idea what your size is? <laughs> so <laughs> we, we don't break out so relative size of any of our businesses, but Betterman's over $32 billion in assets right now, over 700,000 customers. And, you know, what I say is that the B2B businesses, and this is one of the things I want to get more into, but the B2B businesses have become a huge focus and are growing, uh, and are growing uh, at a very fast clip. So, um, you know, my, my goal personally is for B4A to be the biggest, the biggest piece of the Betterman organization sooner than later. Can you give us an idea of how many RIAs you're working with, at least, on Betterment for Advisors, or no? Uh, unfortunately, not. I'm not trying to be difficult. Okay, that's fine. We got our rules. Difficult. That's fine. <laughs> um, but because you've denied two of my questions, I'm going to pass you over to Bruce, and he will not accept uh, a uh, non Okay, Bruce is yeah, good cop, bad cop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess so. Uh <laughs> Tom, thanks again for coming on the podcast. You said you guys, real quick, you guys wanted to work with savers. How many savers are out there? You know, like what is it? Is it ten percent of the population? Twenty percent? Is it Gen X? Is it Gen Z? Is it who? Who? Who are the savers? I mean, I, I think that the saver demographic spans all ages. I think, like, I, I don't have numbers off the top of my head for you, but I would say one trend that I think we see is that our average client is older than most people expect, which I think just proves that, you know, it, it's not about, um, it's not about your demographic. It's just, you know, it's more of a mindset. Um, and, and so we see folks saving obviously when they're in college all the way through retirement. And, you know, just kind of backing up to the history of the robo advisors and, and betterment and the like, you guys launched, you said, in 2010, right? Yep. And so I think, you know, the, the the brokerage industry kind of went through, you know, various stages of shock and awe or grief, you know, with the advent of robo-advice. And this came, you guys, 2010, to, you know, a year or two after the worst of the credit crisis as well, right? So these guys were thinking, holy crap, I don't need... <laughs> <laughs> I don't need an automated platform here to steal my clients, right? So 
I think they were at first they were scared and then they they tried to rush to market different products. And then it's the whole kind of discussion of it has withered on the vine at these large brokerage firms. You know, I mean, Merrill Edge is not a robo advisor. You know, it's an it's a it's an investment uh, platform for people who don't have five hundred thousand to a million dollars in investable assets at Merrill Lynch, the Bank of America. You know, so but it's not a robo advisor. It's a brokerage platform. In, in other words, it's a wealth management platform. You know, so where is the in your mind? Where is the brokerage industry right now with its adopting you know automated uh, financial planning and, and automated investment advice? Well, I think to answer that question directly, I think what our opinion is that the legacy providers are behind when it comes to delivering really innovative uh, uh, new solutions f- around portfolio management. But I'll comment on kind of another another um, item that you addressed there, which I do think is interesting, which is this kind of history of the robo-advisor. You know, you're right, back in 2010, the advisors were, I mean, I guess the right word is scared about the robos uh, coming to steal their clients. And I think we've seen like a, a complete paradigm shift there. One reason is that that has not come to pass, right? Advisors, the advisory industry has actually grown alongside the robo industry. And I think a big reason for that is that there are just kind of two distinctly different clients. Those They're ones that want to DIY and there's those who want the peace of mind working with an advisor. And I think we've also seen that advisors, and this kind of gets back to the Betterment for Advisors business, the advisors can actually utilize a lot of this automated technology to run a more efficient practice and be more competitive. And I think that's kind of where we come in. And it's kind of a funny anecdote. Like we've seen this play out firsthand. We have several current clients on our advisory platform, our RIA platform, that when we first rolled out in 2010, you know, they were the first people out there saying there's absolutely no way that they would ever work with a robo. And now we've seen that flip completely. Um, so the reality is that these, this, this new technology is, is, uh, is symbiotic, symbiotic with, with uh, what the advisors need. And we can actually solve a lot of really important problems for them. So and then I just got one more before I kick it back over to Jeff. And it's about distribution. Right, because distribution in the you know RIA and broker dealer world is is king and key and whatever to success. What is your what is your plan for betterment for advisors for distribution uh, going forward? What kind of plans do you have there? You know, are you going to team up with more mega RIAs or you know do you have like a uh, you know would you consider trying to work with say uh, you know um, uh, Tiedemann has been in the news, right? Because they've been, they've listed publicly uh, recently. They they got their listing off the ground. You know, a thirty billion to sixty billion dollar firm. They're like, how do you guys distribute the platform in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I, I think it's it, it's it's pretty simple these days. We we want to be the preferred custodian for this small RIA segment that I've referenced. So you're going after the Schwab TD guys then that that's what I was getting. That's exactly what I was right. getting who to feel right? under. So who I mean, feel they've, the door has been slammed uh, in their face from the, from the merger. That's right. And and I actually listened to your guys's last interview with Mark Tabersian, 
um, kind of talking about how Pershing was positioning against the Schwab TD merger. I think we are targeting a little bit of a different segment um, where we feel like we have a, a, a strong right to win. And that's, again, it's the down market RIA that we feel are is underserved from a technology perspective and is soon to be underserved from a customer service and practice management perspective. Well, a lot of them certainly feel that way. <laughs> The ones I talk to, you know, they they definitely have a lot of questions. Uh, so, one and and one of the things I see that's interesting when you look at all of the alternatives, because like everybody's posturing for this op- to take advantage of this opportunity, right? But what the question I always ask myself is, how how is this alternative custo- custodial option going to solve the problem that Schwab and TD is trying to get rid of, right? Are they just going to replicate TD and and inherit the same issues that they have, or are they going to bring something new to market? And I think that's where we come into play. We have this powerful automated portfolio management engine that can make these RAs more efficient for our business, but also uh, to grow, right? And so I think that's sort of the key is that we we bring a new solution to market that can solve that can solve the problem that we see kind of forming from the fallout of this. this so merger. Jeff, there you have it. Betterment looking to cut the legs yeah. out from under Schwab TD. Man. I <laughs> like it. I like it. I'm going to, we'll make that our headline when we promote this podcast. Hey, the more aggressive, the better. Tom Moore takes on Chuck Schwab. <laughs> how did Betterment, how do you feel like Betterment weathered the market conditions last year and maybe leading up to last year it's been pretty rough and so what give us a a a take on that without violating any of the laws over there at betterment um and disclosing your financials yeah uh i mean look uh, obviously markets markets were challenging second half of last year you know we our our revenue model we charge a platform fee on assets so when aum goes down uh our, our revenue our top line suffers um, but that, but I, I kind of have spoken to uh, our effort to sort of diversify by bringing new products and features to market, and I think that's where we saw some some major bright spots. So I don't want to harp on it too much, but we rolled out this cash product at the beginning of 2020, and it, as interest rates have uh, risen again, this product has come back into into vogue. We've seen you know huge, in, as we've seen uh, kind of flat, more, more flat. Uh, investing behavior, we've seen a huge rise in clients that want access to a high yield cash product. And that's really helped us weather the storm. Um, so that's that's kind of one piece. The other thing I'll flag, which again, is kind of harping on the same points I've been making, is how having these three distinct business lines has made us more, made us more durable as an institution. So we've talked about the retail business, we've talked about the advisor business. We also have this record keeping business, this 401k business that has seen a huge influx in demand right as we've seen challenging marketing. marketing How do you get distribution there, Tom, on the 401k side? Uh, it's it's a similar approach to what 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 we use in in retail and B for A and and I'm big on kind of uh, creating a co- singular cohesive message for Betterment, but you know where we've found. Uh, product market fit in the 401k market is it with small businesses, down market 401ks. And again, because we have this really efficient automated portfolio management engine, we can service those clients at scale um, 
where it makes sense for our business. And so what's interesting is when you tap into this section of the 401k market, the demand is unlimited, right? The small business market is expanding, is, is always expanding. And we've had a little bit of uh, help from some recent legislation that passed, SecurePoint 2.0. So some really interesting tailwinds in that space. And it's a revenue model that doesn't solely hinge on a platform fee on assets. So, you know, we, we, we've gotten ourselves in this position where one part of the business will zig while the other part zags. And it's, it's really helped us to weather more challenging markets. Yeah, but they're all still based on assets. It's still an asset-based business all across the board, right? Ultimately, but in the 401k business, there there are some different components, right? There's record-keeping fees. Uh, there's things that are, are, are more flat fee-based ra- rather than um, hinge on, on assets. That's still the ultimate goal, but uh, it is helpful to, to create some different streams. So you're actually a plan provider then, right? Yeah. For small businesses. And do your... Do you offer, where do your menu of options come from? I'm always curious about picking apart these these plans because it seems like they're all the same dusty old, you know, one and a half percent fee mutual funds. No. So the portfolios we use in the 401k plan are the same portfolios we use on the retail side. So it's all ETF based, super low cost, diversified, you know, um, same, same old story. Um, but I think, you know, that, that's a compelling, somewhat differentiated um, philosophy on how to invest in 401ks. And then, of course, we layer that same client experience, that same idea of delivering guardrails, investing guardrails to clients. Um, and I think that the, the culmination of that is a compelling offering at a really low cost to a piece of the market that really, that really needs it. Okay, I'm, I'm going to ask, but I'm expecting you to tell me no, the size of your 401k business. Yeah, unfortunately, same answer. Okay. Um, what's but a, I appreciate the persistence. Yeah, that, well, I thought I could get you with a backdoor question there, and then <laughs> I was going to figure it all out. Anyway, the fi- final question I have here is, what is the status of Betterment's IPO? You guys going public or what? Oh, you, uh, you're going to kill me, but that's, that's another topic that we can't really, <laughs> a road we can't go down. All right. Well, I think, you know, what, what I would say to that, to that Jeff is, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, markets in the last 12 months. We've talked a lot about what our priorities are and we're really just focused on continuing to, to evolve this business. And, and I mean, I, I think hopefully I've highlighted the tailwinds we see and the opportunities we see across all three businesses. When we think about like access to these, uh, to these SMBs, to these small RIAs, and to the mass affluent uh, direct investor. And so I think it's right now, it's just about executing and capitalizing on those opportunities. Okay, well, then we're going to hold you, to, we're going to start, we started a theme last week with Mark Mark Tiberge, and we're going to ask you right now for your, uh, your Super Bowl prediction. All right, that's how we're going to close this out, since you're not telling us any of the good stuff we need. Oh God, that is a good question. Now, now I'm going to uh, show my lack of knowledge and probably pick two teams in the same conference, but uh, I got to go. So I did a stint in Philadelphia, so I got to go Eagles. Okay. Um, God, who do I want on the other? Who do I think on the other side? Probably Kansas City. You, you yeah, probably I mean, that's Kansas the easy City. choice, right? <laughs> or Cincinnati looks pretty tough. I don't know. I'll go, I'll go Kansas City Eagles. That's probably like a homer pick, but. No, that's that's a pick. We're, we got you on the record for that one, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll circle back. Well, I want to thank you, Tom, for being here and answering most of our questions. You're a good sport. Uh, nice to meet you, and nice nice to hear all about Betterment. Yeah, thanks again for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure. 
All right, thanks, Jeff. Hey, if it's Monday, it's time for another episode of the Investment News Podcast. We want to thank our special guest this week, Thomas Moore of Betterment. We also want to thank our producer, Angelic Astor, as well as our sponsor this week, LPL Financial. You can find our podcast at investmentnews.com, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. Reach out to Jeff on Twitter. His handle is at Benji Ryder. Mine is at BD News Guy. And stay tuned because we'll be back talking to you next week.